Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> How difficult has your life been up to now? Have you given a voice to the difficulties? It's time to break the silence. Temporary difficulties end and your response to them determine how you live life after your difficulties. So respond well and live. You are listening to the Patricia Adams Live radio show where we discuss life's difficult topics. Stick around. Hi, welcome to Patricia Adams Live. We are on the air today with our special guest, Mr. Antoine Gay, and we'd like to thank you all for tuning in, for those of you who are calling in, and for those of you who are in the chat room, and those who are listening online. I'd like to give a brief introduction about um, Antoine Gay. He is the son of Marvin Pence Gay Sr., who is also the father of the legendary Marvin Gay which he is brother to Marvin Gaye and son of Marvin Gaye Sr. And at this particular moment, um, we are going to give you just a little bit of information about Antoine before we bring him on the air. He was born in Washington, D.C., and he is the youngest son to Marvin Pence Gaye Sr., who is deceased. And as I said, he is the brother of the national, internationally recognized legendary Grammy Award winner Marvin Pence Gaye Jr., also deceased, and other siblings of the gay family. He is married for 20 years to his lovely wife, and together they have two children. He is currently in ministry. He is a licensed minister, and he is also um, working in the Department of Juvenile Justice. 
And without further delay, I would like to introduce you to Antoine Gay. Hello, Patricia. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Hello, hello. I'm doing well, doing well. How are you doing today? I'm good, good. Uh, thank you so much for uh, being on the show and for taking the time out of your day to um, be on the air with us. We appreciate that very much. I wanted to give you the opportunity maybe to start out with the guest and tell them some things that you would like for them to know about the son who, um, I guess, how do you want to say, for lack of a better word, we haven't been formally introduced to. Um, I guess basically that, uh, um, that again, I am the, the, uh, Marvin Gaye, my father was Marvin Gaye fan. Basically, um, uh, I've just been basically in the shadows all these years and, um, and been just basically living my life normally like anyone else, but has, um, just held on to uh, a story and, of my own and and just living life, um, basically just trying to find my way. And it's been a journey. It's been a very interesting journey. But I'm a person who who loves people, uh, who loves God, who loves people, and um, and just wants to uh, to help and uh, encourage others who might have gone through things that I've gone through in my life. And do you want to share any of those things um, with the audience right now, or do you want to wait until later on in the show? Okay, we'll wait until later on, maybe. <laughs> okay, he's warming up. Um, but right now what I would like to say to the audience is that out of Antoine Gay's existence, he was the son of uh, Marvin Gay Sr., and he was born, may I say, in 1970. And during 1970, if you parallel that to what was going on in the 70s, many of you know about the, you know, the war. We had all kinds of uh, women's lib things going on. I mean, if you just parallel this story to history, to the history. Do you remember where you were in the 70s? Do you remember what you were doing in the 70s? Do you remember who you were with in the 70s? Uh, what your life was like in the 70s? Um, that's the kind of show that I'd like to present to you, our listening audience today, is that for most of us, when we heard of uh, Marvin's death, we were glued to the TV set. I know for me personally, I was glued to the TV set. I was um, flipping the channels in disbelief and watching the emergency uh, text bring out a covered body out of this house, which obviously none of us recognized. I mean, I didn't recognize the house. And so I was just waiting for something to say that this wasn't true. You know, maybe something um, got mixed up or whatever. And the more that the news got out and the hysteria broke out and everything and people realized that this was Marvin Gaye, um, the singer, the songwriter, the performer, um, the musical genius that we all aspired either most of us to listen to his music to those of us who were songwriters or 
people who wanted to be in the music industry kind of looked up to him, and a lot of babies were born off of Marvin Gaye's music, obviously, as some people have said, as well as that they remember exactly where they were when a certain song came out or this or that came out. But the biggest thing is that during this time when the family was grieving the loss and the nation was grieving the loss, I mean, his, his, his death, kind of like resounded around the world. It was a global moment. Everybody that had anything, um, a record or anything, had attended a concert, had listened to a song, or had even been touched by his music in some kind of a way, the world was, I guess if, if outer space, someone in outer space had heard his music, I mean, you just say it was just, out of this world, the, the amount of grief and the amount of disbelief that he had been taken from us and the way that he had been taken from us. So can you shed any light on your experience? You know, what was it like for you at, at that point when you found out? It was a uh, it was a shock to my system. It was a um, confusing time. It was... Um, one that was uh, something that just impacted my, you know, impacted me from that day um, forward. But but mostly, I guess I repressed or suppressed a lot of emotions because of um, um, my relation to him, my um, uh, just the, the my connection with the the gay family and. Um, how that was like at that time. It um, had a lot of confusion. Um, I was young, and um, as you already know, I've, um, you know, I have finished the book, and just hopefully it will be ready for people in the near future. But um, which which details more about how I felt that day. But um, it impacted me like millions uh, around the world. Except for I, I just happened to be a family member. I just happened to happen to be my brother, and um, and at the same time, that was my father who pulled the trigger. And so for me, um, it was it was it was a trauma that I I never saw coming, and um, spent a lot of my life uh, just dealing and trying to deal with who I am and. Um, um, questions about my father, questions about Marvin, um, that were unresolved for years for me. You know, other than hearing from other people on the radio or TV or even seeing relatives, um, maybe on TV, speak on it. But um, I had to deal with it away from everybody. So um, it, it was it was a. Um, uh, definitely a time that I'll never forget in a, in a moment that um, still to this day, um, you know, it, it, it comes past my mind. And uh, I think about how it, it how it impacted so many people. But of course, I've, since that time, I've to be around people and um, who know I existed and they would, might would talk about Marvin Gaye or they might would talk about their situation and just to hear them um, talk about it, and not knowing who was present around them. Um, from the comments that were said, I, I 
you know, over here just to deal with those different emotions and feelings. Um, um, so it's, it's, it's been a journey. It's been a journey. But it definitely impacted me like millions across the world. And, you know, it's kind of like to really understand how different this is it's that, um, as far as grieving with millions around the world. I mean, um, when you say that you were grieving with millions around the world versus grieving with the immediate family or um, the immediate friends, or your immediate family. I mean, you were literally experiencing this as a member of the world. And I, I you know, I kind of hesitate to, to say this, but, I mean, when, when people think about grieving for the loss of a brother or the loss of a mother, father, because, I mean, that particular day, you didn't just lose a brother, you lost a father. Yes. And that's like, you know, if if anybody who's listening can understand that, it's one thing to lose one family member in a single day. But for those of you who have experienced, I'm not saying no one can relate to this, but to those of you who have lost um, multiple people at one time, at, at a single time, you can only relate to him or empathize or sympathize with what he's saying. But to see this and to witness it as you and I witnessed it from the television screen or from the radio station um, and looking at this as an observer um, of the tragedy that was unfolding that day. I mean, this was April 1st. I, I will never forget it, and I'm sure he will never forget it. This is April 1st, and uh, notoriously we call it April Fool's Day, April Fool's Day. Um, in 19 and what? 84. Mm-hmm. April 1st. And um, his birthday would have been the next day, April 2nd, 1984. And all of the things that were portrayed in the newspaper, all the things that were told, bits and pieces were coming out, and it was kind of like, this this is a mistake, <laughs> you know. It's like something something else had to have happened. Something else had to have happened. This this doesn't make sense. I mean, why would his father kill him? Um, and especially you know in front of his mom. So that was for me was a huge uh, gap for me to try to comprehend um, a father killing a son in front of that mother, his wife, and what motivated him, what, what spurred him on. So when you realize the dynamics of all of that and you having to deal with that basically without a family support to help you make sense of the details, I mean, this was unfolding for you just like it was for the rest of us as bits and pieces were uh, revealed in the newspaper, on the television, uh, you know, how people like to talk, gossip and rumors and da-da, whatever. Um, yeah. You you were putting this together the way the rest of the world was piecing it together. You weren't getting first-hand information. You weren't getting um, any um, 
contact or any explanations directly from the family in regards to this. I mean, you were basically observing, just like the rest of us. And I, you know, my heart kind of goes out in that regard because I can only imagine um, the pain of that, you know, to deal with the pain of that, to deal with um, the disbelief and, and then to have to deal with your current community, you know, who knew that this was your brother, this was your father, but yet and still you were still um, unknown. Yes. You know, to the rest of the world. And, and in some ways I, I kind of think that that's a good thing because you were kind of hid away like Moses. In a sense, um, had the world known, you know, then um, maybe your life would have turned out differently. And I'm not saying that for the good or for the bad, but I'm sure it would have impacted you being able to have what you just said. You went on living a normal life. Right? Would you? Yeah. um, it, It definitely... And um, and I talk about it in the book. It's again the um, kids have dreams, and when you know it was it was you know when you are told and you know I was told at a certain age that who my brother was. Um, it's it's I you know to comprehend or try to understand at the young age I was when I when I was told um, I couldn't grasp it all. But I, I, I knew that, you know, it was something that, it was someone that I, I knew I needed to meet. The first time I ever saw Marvin was on TV when he sung the Star Spangled Banner. And I looked at the screen, and, of course, everyone knows it's a very memorable time. Um, very many people, many people um was just touched, you know, by him singing that song on that particular day. Uh, it was all star came and that was my first time seeing and, and other than maybe on the album cover, what's going on with him with the leather jacket on, and um, I think it was the yellow shirt he had on underneath the, uh, the popped-up collar and looked like snow or rain was coming down. And I would just sit and look at the picture, and I would just think about one day meeting this man and and then watching him sing on TV. I was like, man, that's that's my brother. And so for me, there was a lot of things that were going on in my life as a little kid and um, need affirmation, a need for um, actually wanting to have like a big brother or somebody at that time because of the different things I was going through. And so a dream was forming in me. A dream was forming. One day I'm a... I'm going to see him. One day I'm going to meet him. One day, you know, maybe, you know, seeing him hold me or take me on a ride or whatever. And and then the tragedy happened. And um, it was, uh, it's like the dream just exploded. And, you know, it was some, some things I also wanted, experiences I wanted with my father. And... You know, it, it here I was just I just you know, and that's like the trauma. Um it it was I didn't realize I was experiencing a form of trauma at the time. And that 
from that point on, I just started began trying to process, trying to um, not think about it, and and then over time, trying to you know asking questions on who I am, you know, uh, when I was old and the different characteristics and things that I would do and stuff like that. I wondered did you know my my brother or my father kind of behave this way and. It was for a long time. I didn't know how even Marvin talked, and so I didn't know. I've always been known to, you know, be. I can be loud, but I've been known to be soft-spoken, and and I just have certain characteristics and things. And it took me a while to even realize that those are characteristics that my father, and my brother had. And I never was around them. So, um, as you mentioned earlier, I worked for a prison, and so, and uh, that's a whole interesting story how I got into that, but. Um, so I work with I work with a lot of um, residents who have had trauma in their life, who have been either a family secret or had brothers and sisters that um, they didn't know about, or that they knew but they never met, or maybe they didn't want to meet them. Um, knew of, of a father that was um, around, but you know nobody in the family necessarily was telling them who that father was. So. My experience in life has, you know, my trauma has been something that has helped me to be able to help others who have gone through issues, who have gone through problems, who have dealt with abandonment, who have dealt with identity and, you know, identity crisis. Who am I and why was I put here? And um, it may be those who are listening now who knows who may be the, the son or the daughter of a very famous person, and they are afraid to to come out because maybe, you know, they don't know if they'll be accepted. They don't know if the family will think that, okay, they're coming out for money or for notoriety. Um, and so and I really do, I believe. Matter of fact, there's one person, which I won't mention, but there's someone that, a close person mentioned to me that maybe related, maybe the brother of a very famous person, but they're afraid. And... Um, you know, so there's so many people out here that's, that's dealt with some type of form of trauma, and and again, some of the boys in my group, you know, um, young men, they've you know they've had a father who's been missing. You know, you know, someone got shot, someone got killed, and someone got both parents locked up. And so and that's where I see that my story um, is, and I'm hoping um, will help many people deal with their issues and find out who are they and and why did God put me, and why did he put me in this situation? Um, there is definitely a reason there's a purpose behind it, you know, and it's most of the time it's to be a blessing to that person and be, to be able to be a blessing to others. Okay, so in clarifying, basically, what you just said, you had a dream of meeting your brother, Martin Gay, and a dream of meeting your father. Martin Day and yeah. when he killed on April 1st, 1984, by your father, where were you, are you able to talk about where you were in that process of having met them? Say that one more time. But are you able to talk about where you were in that process, the dream that you had of meeting Marvin, of meeting your father, where were you in that process when Marvin was murdered by your father? Well, um, well, there, there was about? already, 
I, I'll, I'll just say that I had one dream had already come, come to pass, and that was um, the meeting of my father. And I speak more about that in the book. And, um, and um, But the dream of meeting Marvin, um, you know, that was snatched away from me. And again, the, the ironic thing, the crazy thing was that it was from the father. And so, and not knowing, you know, a lot of the details behind, like you know, everyone else wondered, but just why, you know. And um, but, um, so it's, it's even though I didn't have that deep of a personal, really have a personal connection with Marvin, but that came through the tears and the cries of many people that I heard that were just devastated by his death. And that's when it started hitting me um, how much he meant. Because, again, I was really young. I, I really didn't know how big of a star he was and how much of an impact he had on people's lives. So hearing their tears, seeing their, that, you know, hearing their tears and um, cry on the radio and, and just people just messed up. It, um, all he was a positive young man as it was. And so I, it, it, I hurt. I hurt and I grieved and, and with them and and um but again it was just it was it was different because I, that, you know I knew that was my brother and it seemed like Earl knew him better than I did you know because I didn't you know I, I grew up in a house that we didn't um, my mother was a Christian and you know we just didn't play a lot of secular music wasn't played and so um, you know I might be in the car riding uh, with someone and, you know, the radio will be on and maybe a song will come on, you know. So just like anyone else, you know, Casey Kasem, Top 40 or something like that would hear music that way or, you know, Soul Train on Saturday mornings. But other than that, I, I didn't, like, have, like, album collections and things like that that I listened to. So hearing people's testimonies and stuff and, and over time, that's how I began to know my brother. And um, and then as I grew older and started dealing and experiencing things in my own life again, which is which I wrote about, I started realizing how similar I was to my brother and my father, and um, and, uh, and and just how just how um, you know, we are definitely you know when we're born we we have things from our parents whether good or bad, sometimes that is, um, that affects us and that, that, that travels with us. And, and um, we find ourselves predisposed toward things. Um, and you find out, you do history, you check in, and your father, your, um, your brother, that person may have never met or very similar or went through the same thing or those generational type things that, that people face trying to find out who are they and why they do what they do. And um those uh so yeah, that that's uh, my dream uh my dream uh really was shattered on that day. So you never got to meet Marvin? No, I never met him. Never met him as far as the point to where my eyes understood what I was looking at. So, um, 
it's not to say I never was in his presence, but um, if I was, I probably you know, was too small to recognize. So, to put this in perspective for those of you who are listening, um, we're talking to Antoine Gay. He is, to uh, the best of his knowledge and to the best of the host of this show, the only brother remaining um, of Martin Gay and um, the only son remaining of Martin Pensier Sr. And he's just kind of gave you some feedback on where he was when this happened. I mean, he was in the living room in his house, um, just like the rest of us, or somewhere being an observer. He was on the outside looking in, and he learned along the way, listening to other people talk about their experience while they grieved his loss. So. This is this is kind of for me like one of those outer limit experiences, if if you would. I know that that may sound a little bit awkward to some people, but if you can, if anybody has ever had like a deja vu dream and you dream something and you're standing away from the dream and you're watching the things unfold in front of you, and then to actually come to that day when those things actually unfold and you realize that you've seen this before, you've done this before. Um, To me, having to have that experience as a member of that family but not yet a part is the only way that I can explain that in my mind. It's like being inside of a dream world and you're just watching the things unfold in front of you. Nobody's interacting with you. Nobody's talking to you. Nobody's speaking to you. You're just standing there as a silent observer watching the scene mm-hmm. unfold. Yeah. And um, at that particular time, you were in your teens, right? So, I mean, you were, you were preteen. Yeah. Yeah. And so if any of you can, again, relate to suffering any kind of a tragedy in your teen years, um, a father walks out. On a, on, on a mom, on a family, a father divorces or a mother walks out or leaves or experiencing anything that's, that's critical, that's pivotal, that's um, emotionally traumatic, it, it does something to you. And But I can relate to his story because of being on that same plane, obviously of experiencing things as an outsider and, and, and hearing people talk about things that had happened to people in my family and I not be a part of that discussion or not be a part of that family unit, but just hearing, going to school. I will never forget going to school and hearing people in the hall talking about something that had happened to someone that I was related to. I recognize the name, but I'm listening to them walk the halls, talk about this person, but they aren't talking to me about it because they don't know that I'm connected to that person. So I can relate to all of that, and I just want our listening audience to kind of put yourself in that position and get yourself in a mind frame. I really am hoping that anyone who's tuned in, who's listening, that at some point or another you'll make the effort, you'll want to um, follow his journey, and his book is available get a copy of the book, because I don't believe that a lot of things have been answered for 
the fans of Marvin Gaye. Um, there are plenty of forums um, about Marvin Gaye, about him. People, people are still talking about Marvin Gaye. People are still uh, hungry for Marvin Gaye. And people are still looking for answers about Marvin's death. And they don't feel like, it's kind of like they're not having closure. It's something that um, is almost like a cold case. Even though we, we saw your father be put on trial and everything, and, and we saw the outcome of that, it's not being able to get, and, and, and I know that uh, other members in the gay family are you know, doing productions, writing books, and, and doing plays, but when, whenever you look at that, it's, you just still have a feeling that there's something missing. There's something missing. And I believe that for the listening audience, for people um, who still want some answers, who are still looking for some answers, I really think that this is going to be that, um, that missing piece that you guys have been looking for, that missing piece of information that you guys are looking for that will kind of make some sense of some things, of, of some actions and some things that went on leading up to that infamous day. So I really want to encourage you guys to uh, follow him on Twitter, and do you want to give out your Twitter handle and whatever your social media uh, channels are? Uh, Facebook, Antoine Carey Gay. You can definitely contact me on, on Facebook and Twitter. Um, and hopefully, you know, in the near future, there will be some other other areas. But, Patricia, I, I, um, I, I definitely agree with something that you were saying. It, it's um, the, the listeners will definitely, the readers, those who read my story, they will, um, there's so many things about um, my father that they, um, you know, it's, it's all kind of information out there. But there's going to be some things about my father that, that people don't know. There's going to be things about Marvin that hasn't been um, repeated. Some things concerning Mrs. Gay, and um, and so it's 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 it's. I think it will definitely give um, insight to uh, another perspective of all three parties, and kind of again, um, people didn't know that I existed. Um, so there's there's a lot of times there's a there's a lot of things behind the scenes that go on that people don't realize that that it affects a relationship and um in my story i believe will will connect some dots for some people well um it'll definitely answer things it'll confirm some things and it will just definitely generate more questions and um but i i truly truly want um the story is is about my life, and I, it's I'm, I'm praying for those who have a story within them. I'm hoping that many that have gone through trauma, who've been dealt with abandonment, who've dealt with identity issues, um, um, who have a story within them, but um, it's just suppressed inside of them that it gives them a a strength and a courage to speak to come out of the shadow, to um, um, be who God has called them to be, and even if it has, it comes with a, a negative stigma. Um, I have, again, I've worked with people um, around with inmates who's, who, whose parents or fathers may be notorious 
for, you know, committing murders or, or for doing robberies and stuff, and that thing has been following them. And so when they mention, when someone mentions their last name, they automatically identify them with this person. And so if you haven't walked in those shoes to, you know, that your father, you know, your father, you know, um, to deal, you could be linked to someone who was famous or someone who was infamous. Um, unless you walked in those shoes, you don't know what that person feels like. Um, you know, you know, if they even want to be known or if they say something, you know, will someone even believe that they are who they say they are? You know, and so that's that's something I had to deal with, you know, growing up, even in my adulthood now, that where if someone happens to, you know, who, you know, more some more people are starting to know, but I've had to deal with it most of my life. Um, well, actually, actually, when I was young, because I actually stopped talking about it when I was younger for many years because um, of the disbelief or the, the you know, someone basically calling you loud saying that this would be saying it, you know. And, you know, it, it, it causes you to go and be quiet and don't talk about it. And so um, I'm just praying again that my story um, helps many people who have dealt with um, those issues that I mentioned, but also addictions, also um, loneliness, uh, thoughts of suicide, um, um marital issues, relationship issues. I mean, it's it's a it's a story that I'm praying again that more than anything brings healing and brings encouragement to others. It's, it's not so much about um how it be critiqued or whatever. I'm just praying my, my belief is that it will just benefit and help many people. As well as those who may want to learn more about um just a little bit more about, you know, Marvin, my father, but the gist of it really is that, it, that people will be helped. That is my and and that from my story, the other people will 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 come out and and not be afraid. And that's important because um, the biggest power that is over most people who have secrets is the secret itself. Yes. Um, if you if you just look in the news and you see the different elected officials, different uh, public leaders, different religious leaders who the news will go to and say, we heard blah, 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 and then they deny it. And then it yeah. builds momentum because people are you know, talking about it. And then finally when the story breaks after just just monumental press has put pressure on them, then they come out and they reveal the secret. And exactly. it's kind of it's kind of like that, you know. I mean, this this was um, a secret. Your your existence was a secret. It, it was not publicized. It was not talked about. And now that the pressure is is mounting uh, to know more, to hear more, to say more uh, about it, it's kind of um, you know what what's going to be said. You know, people are wondering, you know, what's going to be said, what's going to be told, what's going to be shared, what is he going to say um, in his book, and what is he going to reveal? Um, obviously, things that people think that they know and maybe say, okay, well, you know, this is going to confirm what I thought, this is going to confirm what I heard. Because, you know, you've got so many different people with so many different thoughts, so many different pieces of information, and for some people, you know, it's going to silence some people. For some people, it's going to say, hey, I knew it, da-da-da-da, I thought so, I suspected so, da, whatever. So 
whatever the audience may be, whatever the reason is or the motive for wanting to find out more information about um, Marvin Gaye's father and Marvin Gaye and his last remaining uh, brother, I, I just encourage you to continue to follow his social media. And I believe it's that Antoine Gaye on Twitter and his Facebook page. He said Antoine Carey Gaye. So yeah. um, basically, um, are you willing to project the date or uh, obviously, what, 24, you know, a year? I am praying. And so I ask all believers out there who believe in the power of prayer, I'm hoping and praying that before spring of uh, 2014 that it will be ready to be able to um, be purchased. I'm hoping that even prior before then, hopefully, to um, to release the title of that. Um, I'm in the process on <laughs> working on things, getting things um, situated, um, and um, so I just I just solicit everyone's prayer, and, um, and hopefully by that time it it will be it will be ready. Okay, and you know for those of you where. You know, it was promoted on here that that was information was going to be given. We had some uh, difficulties with some things, and that therefore this is why the title is not being disclosed at this time. So we yeah. just want to let you know that um, on a future date, a future time. But in the meantime, please, you know, stay tuned. Please follow him on Twitter. Uh, please, please feel free to reach out to him um, if you want to. Have him on your radio show for the Blog Talk Radio hosts who are out here. If you're listening in and you want him to be a guest on your show, please feel free to reach out to him. And what's the best way for them to reach out to you to schedule an interview with you? Um, they can definitely, you know, they can. You have the Twitter, you have the Facebook. Right now, things haven't um, gotten too busy for me not to have access. I'm a very personal person, but I'm sure at one at some point I'm have to be more uh more strict, more discreet, but they can definitely reach me on those means or Antoine um at, at Yahoo dot com. Um is another means to hold up me. Would you and repeat be, that again? Antoine Gay at Yahoo dot com. Okay, that's Antoine Gay. Um do you want to spell Antoine? A N T W A U N G A Y at Yahoo dot com now. Because we, we all know that there is so many different ways that we spell Antoine. <laughs> we <laughs> wanna make sure that Antoine Gay. So again that is A N T W A U N G A Y at Yahoo dot com. And his Twitter yeah. handle is at Antoine Gay. And his Facebook page is Antoine Carey K. And Carey is spelled C A R Y, yes? No, ma'am. C A R E Y. Okay, see. Antoine Carey K. A N T W A U N C A R E Y G A Y on Facebook. Okay? So remember, he does not have the E on the end of his name as Marvin adapted his name to that. He is the son of Marvin's now father and his brother. So Marvin's father is Marvin Pence Gay Senior without the Y. So remember that when you're typing in uh, the, the G-A-Y 
And those of you, I think you probably still will be able to pull up our results on him and even if you added the E to it, but his name does not have the E on the end of it, okay? So, um, so far we've had a lot of uh, people on the line who are calling in from, you know, who's up, doctor, you want to take any um, callers? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, okay. Uh, caller 317, I will uh, take your call. I'm going to put Hello. you back on hold. Hello? Hello? Okay, I'm going to put them back on hold. Caller 513. Caller 513, do you have any questions for Antoine Gay? Caller 513, do you have any questions for Antoine Gay? Okay, I'm going to place you back on hold. Caller 859, do you have any questions for Antoine Gay? Caller 859, do you have any questions for Antoine Gay? Okay, we're going to place you back on hold. We had um, some other callers on the line that have dropped off. We are now taking questions or comments from callers on the line, so please feel free to call back in and we will come back to you, okay? So um, at this time, Antoine, basically we are coming up on 45 minutes into the show, and I kind of want to really ask you, though, um, as as a team who was developing, and, and the reason why I, I want to bring this out is because so much is going on with the teenagers today. And uh, the, the teenage years are such pivotal years when identities are formed, identities are being shaped. And when Marvin was killed, you were about 13 or 14? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so... There are so many kids out here who are experiencing trauma at that time when they're developing their identity um, that I just really would like for you to share maybe something that they can relate to that you were feeling because you were either in junior high or high school or about to go to um, that point and how that affected you being able to, you know, carry your life forward. From there, I mean, I, I know you shared some, but there's just something, a nugget, or something that you could share with a child who's at that particular point, or a mom or a dad who maybe is dealing with a child who is at that point where they feel like uh, they're headed to the juvenile justice center, and you work in the Department of Juvenile Justice. Maybe there's something that you can say that will help that mom, that dad, or that child, or that sister, or that uncle or that brother reach that child. Um, and I definitely want to tell the listening audience to please, whatever you do, come back. The show archived MP3 file will be available almost five minutes after the show goes off of the air. So please avail yourself of downloading that show 
and uh, listening to it, sharing it. You can pass the link on. Uh, you can post it on Twitter and your social media, but by all means, you can download it onto your desktop, and you can listen to it without being online. And it's also available on iTunes, so just subscribe to Patricia Adams Live. Uh, follow us on Pat Adams Live and as well on Facebook, Patricia Adams Live, and our website, patriciaadamslive.com. So um, can you share something in regards to what someone can do at this particular moment this weekend that might um, make a difference in a child's life based on how you felt after experiencing that kind of uh, identity-shaking crisis at such an early age? Yes, um, I want to speak first to the the youth, the teenagers, the young adults that's out there. Um, a chill came through me when you were talking. Um, they need to know, you need to know that you are, first of all, you're not alone. You're not by yourself. And that you are truly loved. You are not a misfit. Um, you may be a misfit in terms of that you don't fit into everybody else's paradigm and, and way of thinking and stuff like that, but you have been wonderfully and specially made by your creator, by God, and that you are special. You might, um, there might be things that you've done, there might be things that you've said that seem to have either caused bringing people pain or, or has caused pain. There may be things that you're blaming yourself for, but you, you're not the one at fault. And I want to encourage you that you are, you are loved, that you are not alone, and that there is purpose for your life. You are significant, and your life is necessary. I need you. Ms. Adams needs you. Whether your family realizes it or not, they need you. And that's what you need to remember in the midst of, of everything, that God loves you, and you were placed here with a particular purpose that the world needs. And so and that you're not alone. There is someone that's going through or had the same situation that you're going through. No matter what it is, hold on and, and cry out to God. He knows and he cares. To, that, to the parents, to that mother who's dealing with a child who is, who is acting out in school, or a father also who's dealing with that daughter, that son who's acting out in school, who's seeming like they're being pulled by the gang, or that's the one that you've got to constantly go get a call from the principal's office and, you know, you're the one, you know, in the IEP meetings and they're uh, labeling this and labeling that. Just know again that the child is special. Just know that they need your love. They need your support. They need that affirmation to know that even in the midst of what they're going through, that they're loved. Um, being firm, fair, and consistent um, is important. Um, don't give up. Be praying. Mothers, please. Fathers, please continue to pray for your children. The power of prayer is powerful. There's crypts and blood that, that, that will give you their testimony that somebody prayed for them. That it was that praying grandmother, it was that praying auntie, that was that praying uncle, that, that mother who just would not give up. And like myself, you'll hear in my book and my story that Lord knows I had a praying mother. And um, so don't give up on that child. Please don't. Um, if you have a struggle of your own, if you feel like, you know, you know, putting them away or maybe responding to them out of anger in a way that you shouldn't, go get help. Run to your pastor. Go to a counselor. Go to somebody. Um, but that child, especially that they need to hear love. They need love. They need love. They need love. And that's what my heart is crying out. And 
and I know that their heart is crying out. So that's what I encourage both the, the parents the, and grandmamas who are out there taking care of, uh, of their babies, of their children's children. Um, be encouraged. Don't give up. They need your love. You, your, your life, believe me, your life is important in keeping that child from, from going off the edge. So that's, that's my, um, my word to everybody. Okay. You know, there's a, a song that I'd like to just take a, a five-minute break uh, real quick and play and um, bring you back on the line, okay? Okay. And the uh, Where the Fathers. I finally got into the hotel room. It must have been midday. Started flipping through the channels just to kind of drift away. Every other network showed the challenge and abuse. And I see people laughing as the children sat confused. And I saw a mother pleading with her son to turn away from the lifestyle he had chosen, full of violence and hate. As the conversation heated, my mind began to raise. Somebody's missing, something's badly out of place. Where are the fathers, the responsible ones? Where are the fathers? Have they helped to raise their son? Look at the daughters. Do you see the violation? Do you need more demonstration? Are you really even bothered? Tell me where. A friend of many years And in just a few short seconds He exploded into tears Slowly he unraveled A lifetime packed with pain I asked him for specifics He attempted to explain Where are the fathers, the responsible ones? Where are the fathers? Have they helped you raise their son? Look at the daughters. Do you see the violation? Do you need more demonstration? No. Are you really even? 
And now I'm standing in your presence. Your compassion is so strong. And I wonder how I've managed without you for so long. All I've ever needed is right here in your arms. Oh, Daddy, I'm so grateful. Hear my heart inside this song. You are my father. A responsible one You are my father And I'm so proud to be your son Now that I have a daughter Every day is a celebration She's free of violation All because you took the time to father I'm so glad, so glad you're my father. Thank you, Lord, Father. That song was Where Are the Fathers? And if you were listening to the lyrics of that song, um, it's a, a song between a man and his friend and talking about the relationships of fathers and sons and daughters. But ultimately, he makes the transition to his heavenly father. And I'd just like to point you, any of you who are experiencing a similar situation, that Antoine has experienced or myself has experienced or anyone in your family has experienced, I would like to point you to Psalms 27. It says that when my mother and my father forsake me, then the Lord will take up my cause. And I believe that the biggest um, gap and the biggest hole that we have is just that of parents, of responsible parents, whether it be the father, whether it be the mother, of responsible parents during the most critical and the pivotal times in a child's life. So um, we are back with our special guest, Antoine Gay, and um, would like to bring him back on the air. And if there is anyone in the chat room who would like to ask questions of Antoine, please feel free to type in your question, and I will ask that question of him for you and um, get the answer as soon as he responds. As well as caller 804, I am going to come to you and see if you have any questions or comments. Hi, you're on Patricia Adams Live. Area code 804, do you have any questions or comments for Antoine Yang? Caller 804, do you have any questions or comments for Antoine Yang? All right, I'm going to place you back on hold. Okay, um, Antoine? Yes, ma'am. Hi. Okay, well, hey. um, yes? 
Hello? I'm sorry. Yes. Okay. So um, right now uh, we have people in the chat room and we have people um, on the lines and everybody, I guess, just wants to listen to you. So um, if you have anything else that you want to share, we're coming towards the end of the show. And um, if you have any additional things that you would like to say, we can uh, extend the show or we can, um, you know, give the parting remarks to the people and invite them to come back again. And hopefully we will have the um, the title released here on the show again um, at a future date. I mean, if you want to continue, I, I'm I'm cool. I'm I'm really enjoying. I'm enjoying this time and. Um, that song really, really um, was just blessing my heart. And um, people need to know that um, that healing, you know, that, that the broken one within, um, I'm, I'm still being healed. And, and so just you playing the song, I was just honest and just looking at the beautiful uh, scenery here, just looking at the sky and the fall setting, you know. Still, just being touched and still receiving my healing. So it's it's a process, and um, so I just thank you for playing that song. And but I'm here as long as you as long as you want me. All right. Well, here's you know it's it's such a heavy topic because to talk about your story is for me. And as I told you before, as I was reaching out to you to um, be on the show is that I understood your story because your story is like my story in a lot of ways. And because of that, there is such a heaviness that I I know that comes with that, with having to go through that without, for me, um, you know, the blessing of even, you know, even though you said, you know, you're, you're in the home of a Christian, I mean, people need to really understand, and I think you, you will not fully understand his life and how he his life played out without reading the book. I mean, I could ask him a thousand questions, and you still would not get uh, the full magnitude of his life because even though, you know, he says that he was, you know, raised in a Christian home, you have to realize that there are, are still other factors on the toes that are going on in, in that with that part of his family and with most families who have secrets. And I'm not saying that if any difficulties in his um, home life or in his time was directly because of the secret of his existence, but most definitely it played a part. Um, you can't hold on to a secret. I don't care who you are and it not affect the dynamic of the family. So whatever our secret, and I, I just, I, I remember thinking to myself, I thought that my family had probably won the Nobel Peace Prize or if there was such a prize for secret keeping. <laughs> gotcha. <Wow. laughs> now, my family would have won hands down, you know, and if you look in the dictionary, Keeping, you know, the definition would be my family. So I really um, grew up in that kind of environment, it, like uh, how people advertise, like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, you know. Yeah. And yeah. it's like 
stays in this house and, and what, you know, da-da-da-da, you know, and uh, it's none of your business, stay out of grown folks' business, you know, stop looking in, you know, grown folks' mouth, you know, go somewhere, you know, this is none of your business, but they're talking about you, and it is your business, but they're talking about you as if you're not even in the room. So you, you're hearing them discuss you, but yet they're not talking to you. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're hearing talk about what's happened uh, that's related to you, but they're not talking to you about it and asking you how you feel about it because how you feel about it isn't relevant because, what, you're a kid. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think the, the biggest uh, injustice that we do to kids is when, um, especially when there's a lot of secrets, is that we think that we're doing the child a favor by keeping this from them or keeping that secret from them, but in the end, ultimately, um, we end up doing them more harm and doing them more damage than um, if we just told them the truth. Because, yeah. uh, you know, the truth hurts and the truth is painful, but the truth is also liberating. So in order to get some liberty, in order to get some relief, sometimes it's best just to tell the truth. It's best just to tell the truth. So for for me, uh, growing up, you know, the truth just, seem to elude me. Um, you know, looking for answers, you get half-truths, you get pieces of truth, you get pieces of a lie that sound like the truth. And that that was really damaging for me coming up. It was very damaging for me. And so I, I just encourage anybody out there, you've got a child, um, you're holding on to a secret, um, you've got another situation and, and you don't want to, to tell and you don't want to expose um, and you're not ready to uh, come forward. I, I know you mentioned earlier about having a friend or someone that you had met who is probably related to someone who's in the public eye and they are afraid to come out. And here's, here's the thing that I would say to anybody that it is not right, and it is, should not be the burden of a child to carry the weight of anything that was done That's in right. getting that. You should not shroud that child and, and make that child carry that weight because uh, just because you think they aren't paying attention, they're paying attention. You know, they're looking in the mirror. It's like, okay, you're raising them in a family of people that maybe they don't even look anything like, and you just say, oh, you know, you look like your great uncle, so and so and so and so. Well, you know, that may be the truth, but that's not the whole truth. And right. sometimes I, I do get that there are times when it's best to keep a secret um, until a child is able to handle it. But right. there's a that's way right. to groom a child. There's a way to ease a child into the truth um, exactly. without with everything from them. So at some point or another, you know, you can begin to lay the foundation for the day when you're going to give them the whole truth. But you just, you know, that day just never seems to come. It's like, well, when they turn this age, I'm going to tell them. And then when that age comes and it seems like, you know, the, the family is smooth sailing and everything is going on and everything is good and everything is great and everything's hunky-dory, you know, that basically – you don't want to rock the boat. Like, you know, well, everything is copacetic and everything is, is going well and everything is going easy. Um, why, why bring it up now? You know, they seem happy. They seem okay. But by the time that child gets 14 or 15, the questions keep coming and they, and they keep wanting answers and they keep needing answers. And then it's like, okay, well, now when you tell them, 
then instead of it being a relief to them, they get angry because they feel betrayed. So yeah. there is a way to a child for the truth. And the the biggest thing of it is, is that, you know, I know like in the penal system, you have so many kids that don't even know who their fathers are. I interviewed a young man on uh, the show um, and you know, he didn't even know who his mother or his father was. And then when he realized um, who his mother was, she had been so evil to him. And he had the opportunity, I mean, almost had him starved to the point of death and, you know, everything. And he had the opportunity to have her press with, you know, charges pressed against her. And his heart would not let him because he later had other children. And he saw how great of a mom she was to his other siblings that he felt like just because I didn't have her in my life and I didn't have a father figure in my life, who am I to take her away from them? And I thought how, you know, the word that I want to use is magnanimous. You know, it's beyond um, the thing that a child should have to do. Yes, yes. You know, I and I asked him, I said, so, you know, why didn't you prefer charges against her? You, you know, you had the opportunity. He says, because she was a great mom to my brothers. Wow. She held her love for me. She didn't love me. She didn't embrace me. But she definitely is a great mom to my brothers. And I didn't feel that I had the right to take her away from them. And I thought, wow. Wow. Yes. So, so rather than press charges against her, you know, he just basically let that go and say, you know what, these boys deserve to have a mom. Just because you weren't my mom, you didn't mother me, these boys deserve to have a mom. And I so respect that young man for for that. You know, he's uh, written his book about his story. He's writing music and everything. But it's, it's easy. It's, it's easy to... Um, not find healing when you don't get justice. And yeah. that's the piece missing is that so many broken homes, so many broken children are missing that piece of justice. So they're going out for revenge. They're going out to, for, for being vindictive and, and things like that. Yeah. But in reality, all you're looking for is justice. Somebody, you know, needs to give me justice because life has not been fair. And, and I know today I experienced a young lady and she just kept saying it's not fair. This is not fair. That's not fair. This is not fair. And you think about that, and it's like because the truth of the matter is life itself is not fair. Life, life, life doesn't care. It, it does not discriminate. Life itself um, is life, and you, you are in it. You're born in it, and you have to live in it, and you have to adapt to it, and you have to live it. But the one thing that I came to find out, because I used to say that's not fair. You know, why don't I have a mom or a dad? Why don't I have sisters or brothers? You know, why don't I have this? You know, why don't I have grandparents? Why don't I have somebody who loves me? Why don't I have somebody who's really trying to take care of me? You know, why, 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 why me? <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. like I don't. You know, like you know, who's going to stand up for me? Who's going to give me justice? And it wasn't until I fell into. Um, the place of, of where I couldn't take it anymore. I mean, that kind of need for revenge and retribution takes a toll on you mentally. It takes a toll on you emotionally. It takes a toll on you physically. It just takes a toll on your life when you live for revenge, when you live for retribution, when you live for payback. And in my life, 
I was so bitter, I was so angry, I was so frustrated, I was so upset and so disappointed and dejected and rejected and abandoned and everything you could possibly think of. And when God showed me that he loved me, I couldn't comprehend his love um, because I had not experienced love. So, you know, how could someone that um, share a vision to me as a child at, at the age of seven that was so real and so genuine that I still remember it to this day of him expressing his love to me. And yeah. and I'm still uncovering his love for me. I'm still experiencing his love for me. I'm still learning about this love that he has that, you know, can heal me of those broken relationships and those empty yeah. relationships and everything. But the biggest the biggest thing of it is is that when I when I tell you that yes you deserve justice but you don't deserve the justice that can be given sometimes in the court system because sometimes that justice does not come. And if you're waiting for that justice to come, I mean you'll just wither up and dry. But I wanna tell you a secret and, and the secret to getting justice is by letting go of the people that hurt you by letting go. And and it's something that you have to do day by day, minute by minute, second by second, and you have to let go of the people that hurt you because then let go and and you release it into God's hands. So he says, you know, that vengeance is mine. Vengeance is mine. And when God judges somebody, he's a just God. He's not a fair God. God is not fair. He is not fair. I learned a long time ago. He is not in the business of issuing out fairness. He's in the he's in the business of getting the best that he can out of his creation. And whatever he has to do, there's there's a poem and I don't remember it all verbatim, but it says, you know, before God can use the man he has to break him. Mm. And so before he can use us, he has to break us. And it's in that brokenness that we realize that we can't fix ourselves. You know, it's like, how can a broken pot reach his hand over and say, okay, you know, I'm going to glue you back here. A shattered pot is a shattered pot. It needs the assistance of someone else, a potter, to come and put it back together, to remake it, to glue it together. So when you realize how shattered and how fractured you are and how much you need God and how much you need him in your life and and only he can put you back together and only he can give you the justice that you're looking for because – he is a judge. He is a he is a righteous judge, and he is a complete judge. He's a total judge, and he has all power. So when I point people to um, looking for justice, you know, you may not get it on earth in the judicial system, but you will get it um, in terms of heavenly justice. I mean, heavenly justice is being uh, measured and being poured out here on the earth. And all you have to do is just let go of it and put it on the court of God, of heaven, and watch God give you the justice that you need and not that you want. You know, there's a big difference. You know, there's a kind of justice, and and it's like you need to have this and you want to have this. (laughs) I remember, um, you know, I was so bitter and I was so angry that I was trying to figure out, was it possible to buy black roses? Mm. And I was thinking, okay, possible to buy black roses, then is it possible for me to make black roses? I mean, I was so bitter with, you know, the people who had harmed me that all I could think of is that I want to be able to take a black rose and drop it 
in the grave. Yes. And that was when God really got my attention. He says, what good would that do you? Exactly. They can't. They, they can't. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's like the reality of it is, is is every piece of bitterness, every piece of anger, every piece of hurt that we hold on to because, you know, you didn't get to meet Marvin. Your father, you know, killed him. And, you know, you didn't really get to have that relationship with either of them. Or, you know, your life has just not been peaches and cream because of Marvin Gaye Senior or the brother of Marvin Gaye, the legendary singer, you know. So, and it's not going to maybe be the way that uh, some people would think it's going to turn out or whatever. But the biggest thing of it is that your your father started out in ministry, right? Yeah. And yeah. Marvin was supposed to ministry. And here you are doing ministry. There, there's a difference, you know, is that um, your your father was a minister, you know, was aspiring um, and, you know, on track to become a pastor, I believe, a bishop and everything, and, you know, things diverted him. And then Marvin, you know, he was, as a child, you know, in the church, singing in the church, God or whatever, you know, but he struggled with the faith, you know, the reality of uh, of, of that. In, in his words, you know, that you can just find online of him talking about religion and church and, and things like that, and he says, you know, that um, he couldn't do church. He says the church was in him. He couldn't do the, the physical church, you know. He couldn't do the physical church. And uh, so he wrestled with that, that, that struggle between light and dark, between right and wrong, between yeah. doing the, you know, was always on him. And, and even, you know, when people said he, they, he would dance on stage, and it says, you know, he could sing his heart out, but he couldn't sing or dance a lick. But, you know, then you go and you look at his answers. And he would basically say, it's not because I can't dance. He says, when I would go to dance, I could heal my father. Yeah, see? Yeah. It's, 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 it's if you don't mind me, it's, 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 that's the other thing. I'm, I'm glad you, you touched on that is, is for that, for those that, um, that, teenager, that young adult that's out there, and yeah, even the that person that's in their thirties, that's in their forties, maybe in their fifties, sixties, but they feel, you know, that that same hurt and that pain, um, that that child that's within, that's still inside of everybody, that um, still feels the hurt and the pain, still wants to um, that that fight that's within, and so the my my life story. Um, touches on again from my father again who, who wrestled with things and people have heard different things about my father and um and of course Marvin, anyone who's ever listened to Marvin's music and again for all his life and the the battle, the battle between flesh and spirit. The the you could see it on his face, you could hear it through his music and it came through. I mean that's why so many people um could relate to him. Um, the, the 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 dichotomy, the 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 struggle of good and evil, and again, sometimes even his music. I think it's one song he had that um, he talks about the the artist um, writes a song or something to that effect, that so that the that those the people who listen won't have to pay. You know, they pay the price, 
and you know, mm-hmm. he, and he would talk about save the children and, and mercy me and that that battle within. And so, likewise, it's I'm I'm praying that my story will will help that that minister out there that 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 uh, who's out there who knows he needs to step down or she needs to step down and they're struggling with something and, and they're holding it and they won't go to somebody that they can trust and say, hey, I, I need I need prayer, I need help, it's me. Um, that that person who's in, again, you mentioned who's in a, a, a position of, of trust or, or um, of trust, and they're not walking trustworthy um, and not realizing that as long as they keep holding on to that thing, it's going, it's going to be the very thing that tears them down. Um, I'm hoping that, praying that those who... Um, who always wonder how a, a person or a, a man or woman can do certain things, um, who deal with different addictions or whatever, can can hear through my story the the intricate details. You know, some things definitely there's a lot of things that I kept <laughs> kept to myself um, and it's been covered, but um, just. Just the things that go on in the mind. A lot of times you hear radio hosts and TV. Sometimes they attack on people, and and you don't know that person. You think you know. You see the actions, you see the fall, but you don't know. You don't know. You really don't know that person. And again, it's like David in the Bible. You know, you know, if you just go to the chapter where he fell, you won't. You know, if you don't read the chapters before that, you won't realize what kind of man David was. Um. And so it's, it's um, and then those who are dealing, you touched on also those who are, um, again, those families and how it affects that child and, and forgiveness. And so the story of Joseph in the Bible, Joseph had um, a dream. And so there's those out there right now, if you have a dream, God has shown you some things. And you may have brothers, you may have sisters, you may have friends, the people in your family who don't see it. <laughs> um, and some of them, again, Joseph had brothers and brothers, and all of them didn't have the same um, mother, but they all had the same father. And Joseph paid a price for mentioning his dream by his own family. So, you know, you won't, you know, for those who have been affected or been pained by family members or been rejected, you're not alone. God gave that beautiful example of Joseph, and then all the things that Joseph went through. You know, from you know being sold into prison and then being accused of of raping somebody, he didn't do it. Spending time in in, in prison and and how his life, he must have wondered the whole time, Lord, what did I do to deserve all that I'm going through, to experience this pain? But he held on, and in the end, his life was to be a blessing to his family. Um, and so that person out there who who feels like that, your life again is important. And yes, there may be people who may not embrace you. I'm I'm dealing with things right now where I'm I'm still hoping that my I've been embraced by members of my family, and then some are are keeping a distance. And so I'm still dealing with healing. I'm still dealing with rejection. But the beautiful thing is that, and, and Patricia, you said it. When my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will take me up. So God has given me other brothers and sisters. And in the meantime, I'm praying that I will be embraced by them. That they will realize that I'm. I'm here to be a blessing, not a curse, and um, and forgiveness, and that's what keeps ringing not only through the scriptures, but my brother also he he mentioned it because it was in him. You know, he said, you know, we don't need to escalate. Love conquers hate. Only love can conquer hate, 
And so that's the thing you want to forgive. And forgiveness is for the person that's been injured, that's been hurt. And so when you take that attitude, love is, oh, my gosh, it's, it's nothing. Love conquers all. And so it's powerful. And you can look at those who, who have hurt you or um, those who won't embrace you, and you can still have a love. You can still be on your knees praying for those per- persons because they're hurting. And you see them through the eyes of God instead of through through natural carnal eyes. You see them through the eyes of God, and you realize that they're hurting. They're trauma victims, their own selves, whether it be envy, jealousy, or whatever. They 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 have trauma, and so you you pray for them. And like you said, Patricia, God is a righteous judge. He's a just God, and um, the way He blesses us and brings justice is it's it's so beautiful. We let we let go of the things that 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 hinder us from receiving the blessings that he wants to give us. Exactly. So, and, and that's the thing that if people just understand that God never said he was fair. There's, you know, there, there is nothing that I have been able to find in the Bible that God says I'm fair. He says I'm a just God. He says I'm a righteous judge. Um, that is not the same as being fair. So um, rain falls on the just and the unjust. So when the rain comes, it's like, okay, uh, it doesn't just fall on the just. It falls on everybody that's in the parameter of the rain. And when God meets out justice, he does it well. Because, number one, he is after the redemption of that soul, if possible, if that soul will surrender. He's out for because he came to save the world. And the fact of the matter is, is that the people who hurt us and hurt you and hurt them are what? A part of the world. So even though we kind of uh, begrudge that, is that, you know, he died, he sent his son to die for the victim and the victimizer. And yeah. that's the reality. It, it, it's something that fairness, you know, if you try to put fairness, fairness is an earthly term. It's, it's you know, a human being term. Uh, no, you know, it doesn't fit into the picture that we think fair is, but it is just it is because when Jesus was on the cross and he was stretched between two things, one accepted him and one didn't. So it's about freedom of choice, is that he came to give us all the choice to choose him or not choose him. Now, will the person who hurt you maybe choose Jesus? Maybe they don't because I've been able to uh, reach out to some people who have wounded me, and they found it difficult to even believe that Jesus would even um, be available to them because of the things that they've done. And so some of them will not accept Christ. But even if they don't, we aren't supposed to glory in that because he came to that which is lost. And people who do things like that are lost. Yeah. They can be in the pulpit and still be lost. And this is this was a hard thing for me to grasp, is that it is possible for somebody to uh, preach the gospel and still be lost, because the Bible says the gifts and callings are without repentance. So if God gifts a person and they are walking contrary to the divine purpose for their life, that God has to them, you know, their gifts are, and their calling is still intact. They are just not, uh, the, the Bible calls them anathema. You know, they, they are none of his. 
So they are operating in, not in light, but in darkness. But, um, you know, the dark can put on a light show. But you have to come face-to-face with the real and true light to understand that um, there is no, there's no copycat. He is the real thing. So I just want anyone who does not know um, Jesus is their personal Lord and Savior, that all you have to do is simply ask and ask him to uh, come in and live in your heart and to forgive you of your sins, and he will come in and he will abide with you and he will teach you and lead you and guide you, and he will direct you to where you should go to be in fellowship with like-minded people who believe and preach and teach the whole unadulterated gospel and the whole word of God. And we want to thank you again, Antoine. We have two minutes uh, left in the show for being on the air with us. And we wish you much success in your future endeavors. And again, to anyone who is on the radio platform, uh, please feel free to reach out to him at Antoine Gay on Twitter. with Antoine Carey Gay at Yahoo. Antoine Gay at Yahoo.com. And Antoine is spelled A-N-T-W-A-U-N. G-G-A-Y without the E. So, again, um, thank you as uh, we wrap up the show. And uh, we pray that um, we will continue to follow and hear great things um, come from your your ministry. Amen. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. And and God bless you. Okay. All righty. Well, thank you again. And we are closing the show. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. My book, A Child's Rights Violated, Her Terrors and Traumas, shares my voice to my childhood difficulties. And my other books share my voice of response to my childhood difficulties. Find links in the show notes or go to PatriciaAdamsLive.com to be taken to online retailers. If you are in distress currently and need immediate help, call 911. And... You can also reach out to the National Hotline for Child Abuse at 1-800-4-CHILD. 24-7 crisis counselors are available. As we close the show, remember, temporary difficulties end and your response to them determine how you live life after your difficulties. So respond well and live. Tweet about the show on Twitter at Pat Adams Live and comment to our Facebook page at the bottom of the show page. Follow us on the show page to receive notices of the next airing. If you have questions, comments, want to be a guest, topic requests, let me know. Fill out the contact form on PatriciaAdamsLive.com. Thanks for listening. That's the show. Until next time, take care and watch for more from the Patricia Adams Live show. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.